What you're uh, what you're listening to is a bunch of Klansmen, rather frightened, in a state capital, and this is a funny parallel to certain news stories of the last few weeks regarding storming a capital or taking control of it. In 1992, the KKK applied for a permit on Martin Luther King Day to antagonize the Martin Luther King Day parade marchers and other people in Colorado. And let's listen to a bunch of Klansmen for a moment. Their parade or their rally outside the Capitol steps has been successful in drawing a crowd and inciting a mob so much that the mob is waiting for them to leave the Capitol building itself. And to protect the KKK or protect the Klansmen, the government has allowed the KKK to not leave the event through the front steps, but instead has allowed them to go back through the building, directly through the Denver Capitol building hallway, which is uh, somewhat causing shame, in my opinion, to the good Capitol building. They've allowed the Klansmen to leave through the back door, basically, going down the steps and through a hallway, and they have found out that many of the people wanting to now talk with the Klansmen are waiting for them at this one doorway to get out of the building. And the Klansmen are a little frightened. It's a black power rally now? Okay, let's get back inside. Let's get back inside. Look at all the screaming apes! Immediately you might be curious, would, in any decade, the government give this much protection to the Black Panthers if they were standing outside inciting a riot? Would they then allow the Black Panthers or any community that isn't white nationalist to leave via protected route through the back of a building? Here's some sound bites of what senior Klan officials were saying during the day. It's an honor to be in Denver, Colorado. With Negroology, and we all know what that means. I say to hell with Martin Luther King and his idea that he tried to get to America. He is a homemonger. We have a message for the American people. We will take back our land. So join the Knights of the Q Clutch Plan. So at this point, I should probably place where I am in this actual story. I was downtown during this time, and I have with many thousands of other people. And I was walking with three or four close friends of mine at the time. All of them were women. And at the time, in whatever uh, identity I was 
pursuing. I suppose you could call me a goth at the time. I was a black-haired kid, blue-black hair dye, and I had half of it shaved and a leather jacket, and I wore eyeliner and other funny things. But we were all downtown, and we're around other people who are part of Denver's counterculture community. Denver had a pretty big goth community, a pretty big punk community. And as I'll talk about in the other track here, a very integrated community with some ugly aspects. It was uh, mixed with people who cared deeply about being kind to everyone. It eventually became sort of the rave community to the, uh, a lot of goth people and other people went from being into goth music into being into raves and stuff in a few years. And I don't know, it was a pretty wonderful community of people. But there were a lot of hateful people too. Now these are all teenage people, but there were Klansmen and skinheads and just assholes and a whole mix of things. And I'm there to speak my politics with my friends to show support for the black community who had been fighting for a number of years just to make MLK a holiday in Denver. It was When I was born in Denver in 1974, the Martin Luther King Day was not a holiday yet. I think it became a holiday in Colorado uh, in 1984, and I think it became a national holiday in 1981. So we took some time to get our holiday acknowledged, MLK Day acknowledged in Denver. And there were other states like Arizona, which I think had yet to even pass the the, uh, the holiday into law. So this was a flashpoint and a controversy in America, the idea that MLK deserved a holiday, despite the fact that there are so many stupid white people holidays or holidays that have nothing to do with anybody, you know, or uh, <laughs> controversial ones like Columbus Day. But anyway, um, I'm surrounded by a bunch of people at this point in the crowd. And my memory, it's weird that my memory remembers our, we, we were walking with people in the parade or in the parade. And my memory is that at one point the parade itself crossed visual sight path with the Capitol steps and all the Nazis. And that was very strange. I remember walking in a feeling of solidarity with a bunch of, uh, with a bunch of black people. In particular, some wonderful older uh, black women and men. And they taught me through example at that point, not even to look or acknowledge what was happening to my right I remember seeing a bunch of SIG hailing, a bunch of screaming, Nazi flags, a bunch of Klan stuff. Denver took on a sort of redecorated Klan. They didn't have many hooded people. Most of the Klan were wearing Jim Jones sunglasses and white satin jackets with Klan insignias written on them. And then there was the familiar uh, skinheads. But it was very strange. You felt the whole crowd sort of swaying as they walked past this terrible, depressing sight of these police-protected KKK members. But that was it. 
for a while, and the parade continued through, and we completed it, and it was very good, very good feeling. And then, though, you felt a U-turn for a lot of people that were in the parade going back to the Capitol, and that's when the confrontation of that day began. A year before this, the Klan really figured out that this would be a good moment for them or a good day of opportunity for them because they didn't have a permit, but they did agitate the crowd in 1991. On the same day, they got on cars and other uh, higher visible perches and mocked and Nazi saluted the Martin Luther King Day Parade in 1991. And so I think what they learned on 1991, they applied to a much larger operation in 1992. And I think as a media event, it was largely successful for the Klan because they agitated it to such a degree and then left. And then the whole city of Denver collapsed into anger over it, attacking each other. And that's sort of what I got stuck in. There was a huge cluster of people downtown that day in Denver. And at one point, once the Klan disappeared, I think they showed up. Uh, the police arrived to offer them a protected jail bus to escape. And the Klan jumped into the jail bus. And it's the same kind of bus that they would escort somebody to jail, but they escorted them to freedom. And the Klan, or the skinheads, did a bunch of Nazi salutes to everybody, and people started throwing snowballs at them. And they then got into the protected white jail bus, said Denver Jail on it, they took off, and they were free. There was conversation inside the Denver State Capitol that there was a worry that people would storm the Capitol to try and get at the Klansmen. That's a funny... <laughs> so instead of bring us the head of Mike Pence, they were uh, people that you might agree with in terms of politics, uh, not tolerating skinheads and get us inside the state Capitol to, uh, to get at them. But there was concern there that they would be, that the Capitol would be stormed into. So they had to get rid of the skinheads at that point. So the Denver cops uh, arrived with a protected van or a protected bus for all the little Klansmen. How many Klansmen does it take to get in to pack a bus? Kind of a clown car kind of thing. And they escaped but not without agitating the crowd further by uh, doing Nazi salutes and feeling very victorious. And that then turned the rest of the city in a large way, at least for a moment, against the police. And I remember seeing cops get pelted with snowballs. <laughs> uh, it's not the least funny thing in the world, uh, using riot protection gear like gassing and, uh, and maybe, uh, I think mostly all co Denver cops had at the time was gas, but they're spraying gas indiscriminately into the street and people are just taking 
pot shots throwing uh, snowballs at their face. And once uh, three or four snowballs hit a cop, about 500 snowballs would suddenly appear out of nowhere. Uh, I should point out also that Denver was still going through some gang issues at the time. This was during Blood and Crip era. And so a lot of Bloods and Crips, the 1990s, 1980s uh, black street gangs, they showed up. And so they were looking for a fight. And I'm sure a lot of snowballs got thrown by some Crips or Bloods at that time, that day. <laughs> but once the cops took the Nazis away out of the optics of the moment, anybody potentially could be a Klan's person at that time. And there were a lot of confu there was a lot of confusion with Denver's normal population and uh, weird people. And it was tough to discern whether or not somebody was a punk or a goth or a skinhead just because they were all the same people. They all bought uh, records at the same shops. They all went to the same coffee shops. So that's when it suddenly became pretty uh, dangerous to just be there and be somebody who might be identified as a clans uh, person. And so that's when it became very, very peculiar because I, I saw how dangerous it was becoming. Or I felt how dangerous it was becoming. So in terms of being stuck in the crowd while what I guess you could call a melee <laughs> begins, uh, I identified a part of my personality that day for the first time, which was the observer. And that was an interesting transformation for me because I am not a participant in moments, but I certainly observe them or I'm there when they happen. and. It's kind of a reporter in me. I like to observe things. And the fact that a riot sort of began without the actual enemy there, really, was fascinating to me because the police effectively transported the, the clan out and suddenly all these warring sides of personalities in Denver, which was a very weird city at the time, there were a lot of religious fanatics in Denver. There were, uh, there was a pretty significant, very real gang problem with Crips and Bloods in Denver at the time. Uh, there was uh, certainly weapons. Denver has always had guns of some sort, but there were no guns at the day. There were, in fact, a bunch of projectiles, though, which were all hidden by snow, and that was kind of funny. So you would see or hear really loud sounding things hit the ground and look over and it would be a snowball and then the snow would sort of disappear and you'd see a rock or you'd see something inside that snowball um, when the snow would crumble hitting the ground and so people were hiding things in snow and just lobbing it into the air everyone was furious and it's an interesting lesson about how to respond to agitators you know, uh, I don't really know what a possible response could have been because the whole day was an argument. 
clearly the most wise elders of the day were people who had marched in uh, passive resistance rallies of some sort in the 50s and 60s, the older black community. But everyone was so fucking pissed off. And so it was weird. I think it took a couple hours for the city to calm down. And I'm sure if I was the Klan, I would have thought it was the most successful thing they'd achieved in years because suddenly the Klan was national news. The Klan had been national news for a number of years, however, regarding position. The, the news was elevating the Klan to being something that we were talking about. There was David Duke, of course, a politician with Klan connections, and there was other issues like, uh, you know, uh, Arizona, I think, was a uh, high boiling point. Other things, but Denver, it was just so peculiar. You know, I mean, Denver has had its hateful problems. If you look up a thing called Amendment, Amendment 2, that was a anti-gay proposal. So Denver has some dark problems that it's always trying to iron out or address or, or deal with. And this was probably one of the worst days in Denver history. But I was observing, you know, I was with uh, my friends and we were all sort of looking uh, the girls are getting a little nervous, justifiably. And so we decided to walk down the street, walk away. And I was going to walk uh, walk a couple of them to a friend's house, which was up Colfax or something, somewhere nearby. And I remember we were walking down a side street. I, I obviously don't recall which street it was, but we were walking up a street. And I still had the feeling of MLK in my mind that we had walked for a, we had walked to not feel prejudice or to prejudge people. And I learned a funny thing that day because all of a sudden, as we walked past a group of people, um, felt a, uh, I felt what was a soft but bright uh, I felt what was a soft but very bright sound on my face and a couple people just run right past us and punch me and decked me in the head and I looked back and I was on the ground and the person who had clocked me was now turning back and wanting to address me to get in, get me into a fight. And all my friends, uh, my three or four f uh, female friends, were immediately defending me, saying that, you know, what the fuck are you doing? And it turns out that these guys uh, were thinking that I was a skinhead, which was funny, but also understandable because the optics are skinheads or punks or goths or whatever weird people in denver were all racist according to what had gone on today and what uh shared community they all had you know it's uh and it, the thing that i i remember stumbling and trying to figure out what to do because i'd never been attacked in this way these guys were wanting to, to murder me and my friends thankfully just sort of yelled them off but i was just 
And my reaction is to start laughing when anything weird happens. So I remember sort of laughing, but also being very frightened for a moment because I see three or four people glaring at me because they are heading towards downtown to participate in the riot. And I guess I'm the first weird guy that they've seen because we've walked away from it. And I'm walking with my friends, walking to a house. So we've been walking away from the riot. And I guess I'm the first target that they've encountered. And the whole event sort of stayed with me for years. Uh, and my feeling at the time was not that it was those people's, those, those, uh, the guy who decked me in the face. I mean, it's a very weird thing to get hit in the face, especially when you're not expecting it. It's kind of like walking into a wall uh, that just appears. Or I guess if you've walked into a, uh, if you want to make funny, uh, funny comparison, like walking into a glass wall, you know, that you don't see. Um, and I've been punched in the face about three or four times in my life. And every time I've been like, this doesn't hurt as much as I would expect it to. You know, if you get punched in the nose, man, it hurts. Or if you get punched in the stomach or, uh, the abdomen or the groin, it really hurts. But the face is somehow designed to just accept impacts. <laughs> I've noticed this with our cats and dogs is they don't really notice when they are running and hit into a wall or something like the skull is designed to just take a hit but it was sobering and sad that I was trying not to anticipate that the people that we were about to pass by which were kind of like tough looking guys should be avoided and it was a youthful stupidity to uh think like well don't judge people by their by uh by sight give everyone a chance and unfortunately i got decked in the face my friends and i i'm thankful that they uh they argued on my behalf i don't know what would have happened if i was just walking alone nor do i really know how people can identify three or four goth girls and one goth guy as a bunch of clans people but you know i have no uh, the world has made less sense to me in other categories so i guess it makes sense but it was a peculiar day i remember the weirdest part about the actual clan people that were either on the capitol steps or sort of not a part of the KKK, but close enough to be visibly connected is how many of those people I recognized from Denver clubs and coffee houses and parties and how connected the hate community was to the nerve cell of just Denver. And so even though I can think a lot of people in Denver that were caught up in this shit for a day as teenagers can say, oh, well, so-and-so is a skinhead, so, you know, what an asshole. There wasn't a appropriate response. I mean, it's still embarrassing that I recognize these people. My parents were horrified about the state of hate in Denver and in no way comforted by the fact that I tried to tell them, yeah, I know a lot of those people that were there, so you have nothing to worry about. Effectively saying to your parents, yeah, I'm hanging out with white nationalists, but it's cool. 
my dad has some very scary stories about being threatened as a young Jewish kid in Florida. They moved from New York to Florida. And when my dad was, my dad was uh, born in, uh, before World War II. So while World War II was happening, he was, uh, I think, like uh, nine or maybe a little bit younger or older. But in Florida, there were a couple times where he was young and he was threatened by these, uh, by some very vicious racist kids and told to swim back to Europe, you know, chased into the ocean violently and told to, to literally swim away from America. That certainly never happened to me as a Jewish kid. But that racism existed back then in the 40s. And then certainly the 60s and 50s, that racism existed. That's very well documented, you know. But then it goes away for about the 70s, peculiarly, you know. But then the 80s, it starts to come back. 90s, it flares up again, which is what I'm discussing here with uh, the media issue with the Martin Luther King Day holiday goes away all these people have never gone away they've just become more visible died off or become less visible or maybe uh corrected their shit i don't know but what i'm trying to say here is as horrifying as the next year might be with white nationalism and it will maybe likely or unlikely let's go with unlikely but let's also just discuss the fact that it might continue it's always been here and it's right to be outraged by it and it's right to say not here no way it's not, i'm not saying accept it but i'm also trying to say that at least in my life and i'm only 46 but at least in my life now i've seen two or three crests of this and my memory is 1992 was a lot scarier for me particularly because it was my social community that it was kind of indulging these people you know punks and goths and everything it got even weirder I'll, I'll talk in a moment about how weird it got including like our black skinhead which existed before it was a dave chappelle skit But all these things come and go, and it's right to be outraged, and it's right to say no, and fight it back. You need to fight it. The media needs to figure out a strategy, because it seems like they help simmer it back up. You know, uh, QAnon and Proud Boys stuff have certainly got a lift from being news. All these people should be ignored, but also their happiness as people should be addressed. If we cared more about people in a social net sense, there's a chance that their depression for being any number of insecure categories or any number of neglected, abused parenting experiences, it's very rare that somebody is nurtured into becoming a hateful person. They can be rewarded for it, however, and that's usually what happens, is they've never been rewarded for anything, and suddenly here's this community that will embrace them, you know? 
That's what Trump saying we love you was so toxic and disgusting because that is actually a codified message to any racist person because this is where they have found love in acting this way. And a lot of it goes back to education. Not that they are uneducated, stupid people, but I will blame the Republican Party for countless decades of attacking education in a all-around way. You know, if you can reward people with an opportunity to feel intelligent and to learn something, not to have a shitty school where they maybe are smarter than the school, so their, their mind will become more curious and leave school to become more interested in dynamic ideas that can become radicalized either left or right. And especially if you are kind of insecure for any kind of reason where you're either funny looking, funny whatever, or you don't have any money or whatever, and you're charismatic and intelligent, and schools let you down, then of course you're going to find some community in like the clan or something like that. Education is an easy one to care about. But I don't know really the answer to that, obviously. I'm just a, uh, a guy with synthesizers in his room and a microphone. All I wanted to do was communicate the weirdest day, the race riot that I got to participate in. <laughs> and I don't know if I really even described just how weird it got. It just was running around everywhere like, uh, it was a clear effing riot, you know, cops. Uh, I didn't get gassed that day, Friends, other friends did. You could smell uh, gas in the air because it was so casually dispersed. There was no line of cops. Cops were literally running people down. Cops were having uh, snowballs thrown at their face. Other cops were having to rescue other cops from being outnumbered. And then you had other people just wanting to, to you know, top a car over or punch you or whatever and I can say thankfully after I got punched in the face I became invisible for the rest of the day and I sort of walked around after separating from my friends assuring them that I'd be okay or safe I walked around the riot and found an identity that I've had in a number of other kinds of different confrontational moments where that's my role is to walk and look and pay attention. I like to uh, watch stuff. So that was an interesting day. That was a depressing day and one of the most fascinating early life experiences, January 20th, 1992. And now I'll describe the punk community of Denver and its uh, clan colleagues. <laughs> 